Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let Sleeping Dogs Lie, the comedy trivia show of answering questions and questioning answers. I'm your host, Spencer Hamilton, and I'll be awarding points to our two teams based on how well they know trivia and how good they are at lying. In Let Sleeping Dogs Lie, an incorrect answer is worth just as many points as a correct one. At least, as long as our players can trick the other team into believing it. Now let's meet tonight's panel. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Let's Sleeping Dogs Lie, the comedy game show of answering questions and questioning answers. I'm Spencer Hamilton. Hi, Spencer. Now... We, uh, this is the, uh, the final part of a three-part series we've been doing on uh, movies with sequels. So this will be movies that have sequels part three, Requiem. <laughs> so let's meet our team, starting with the team to my left. I, I am Sammy Tamimi. Okay. I'm Miles Potter. Okay. And I'm Natalie Younger. A little bit of malfunction in the junction, it seems like. What's, uh, <laughs> so we have uh, Sammy, Miles, and Natalie. And collectively, what is your team name? Apocalypse Later, Revenge of the Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right, and let's meet uh, the players to my right, starting on the far end. Hello, my name is Jesse Gomez. I'm James Harvey Freetley. And I'm Allie Stark. Okay, excellent. And uh, do we have a team name? Yes, we do. We are ET3. ET3. Colon, Mambo, Mambo number, number five, hashtag a little bit of Elliot by my side. <laughs> okay, that sucks. <laughs> I hated it and then I liked it again. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's just jump right into. Oh, I guess I guess I should mention. Uh, so these uh, these casts have been recurring over the last three weeks. So this is, um, I believe, the first week uh, the team to my left won. The second week the team to my right won. Uh, mm-hmm. Technically. Technically. Yeah, they cheated the system a little bit. But I they feel won. good about it now. Last week I didn't feel so good. About <laughs> so this will be the rubber match to decide who who actually knows the most trivia about these movies. Spencer, so. I just like because I love book ending and all these sort of things, trilogies. Mm-hmm. Jesse, what kind of shoes are you wearing today? <gasps> well, uh, last time I was wearing all brown leather shoes. This week I'm wearing white leather shoes. They were very nice. Did did that get him points the first time? Because he matched exactly what you're wearing, but it appears you are not wearing all white leather. No, I am not. So uh, I'm going to take away points from Jesse. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) But it was just from Jesse, not the team. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll see what happens. Audience, if you don't know what's happening, I don't either. I'm the only one who's new here. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You're doing great. Yeah, you're doing great, buddy. Now let's, uh, let's start with our first question here for the team to my left. Apocalypse later, Revenge of the Apocalypse. Now, after Richard Donner was fired as the director of Superman 2, many, well, I guess uh, he was the director of Superman 2, and going to Superman 3, he was fired. Uh, Many of the casting crew threatened to walk away in protest, including Christopher Reeve, who was Superman himself. Now, the producers scrambled to find a replacement and did screen tests with some, let's say, interesting choices. John Travolta was first offered the role, but declined. Kurt Russell was considered because Escape from L.A. hadn't come out yet. And Jeff Bridges was then at the top of the list, but he also backed out. And finally, the producers found the perfect new Clark Kent, Tony Danza. Yeah, that's right. But actually, the, uh, the new director uh, had a meltdown when he heard that, and he pulled every string he could to get Christopher Reeve back. 
So he agreed, but he had four demands. So Christopher Reeve's first demand was more money. The second was a chance to rewrite the terrible script. And what I want to know is what were his other two demands, his other two conditions that he put on his return? I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. Uh, Apocalypse Later, Revenge of the Apocalypse. What do you think here? What were the other two conditions that Christopher Reeve had? Uh, well, he, he had two conditions. One was that later in the series, when there would be a Superman 4, he would get the opportunity to write and direct the story. Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, the worst Superman movie. <laughs> uh, and then Natalie has the other fact about Christopher Reeve. <laughs> yes. Uh, he also requested more scenes as Clark Kent. Why would he want to be Clark Kent? <laughs> wow. First of all, Rude to journalists everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Secondly, those were the juicier like scenes. Like those are the more like acty scenes. Whereas like mm-hmm. the other, when he was Superman, he was just flying around being Superman. Yeah, but isn't that the cooler part for the viewer? For the viewer, not as yeah. the artist. He went to Juilliard. He yeah. wants to act. Oh, so he wanted to make the movie worse. Yeah. How would you just oh, yeah. you <laughs> dig in to to Clark Kent's life? How would you describe Clark Kent? Dreamy. Yeah. Do you need anything? Who's hotter, Clark Kent or Superman? I would say Clark Kent. Let's go down the row. Clark Kent. Clark Kent. Clark Kent. Why? Because he's Uh, he's earnest. He's relatable. He has a job. (laughs) (laughs) He's too mild-mannered for my taste. He's hiding something. I don't like liars. <laughs> well, speaking of liars, what do you think here? Are they telling the truth or are they lying? No, that's a hot crock. That's lies. <laughs> it's a hot crock. Superman's number one villain. <laughs> <laughs> and his sidekick, Little Dipper. <laughs> so what do we think the real two conditions, the other two conditions were? Okay. Um, we thought one was there needed to be an anti-drug message, so something good putting out there and helping the world. And then we also thought the other one is he wanted um, more bulge yeah, he in won, the uh, wiener area. Yeah. Oh, in the wiener area. Oh, thank you for what area. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm oh. sorry. I have a question. Did he want more bulge as Superman or Clark Kent? Only Superman. Yeah, that's the difference between Hulk Hogan and Terry Bollea. They, they both have different size. This is, okay, whatever. <laughs> remember, remember the Gawker trial? Remember the Gawker yeah, trial? Oh, I know. He went on, like, on stand. He said that. Like, there was... Well, Hulk Hogan's penis is this size, brother. But Terry Boy's is this size. <laughs> so, anyway, he won that suit. <laughs> uh, so the answer was he won a top billing and a wig. Whoa! He didn't already have top billing? That's correct. He was not. Uh, Gene Hackman. He was preceded in the credits by Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman. Oh, that's Who's Marlon Brando? Yeah. Uh, Marlon Brando was in the first movie as Jorel, his father. Uh, and he was not in the second movie. But still, I think we see better billing. Yeah, also Gene Hackman, speaking of which, uh, Gene Hackman uh, in Superman 2 took top billing despite being played by a lookalike in most of the scenes. Uh, Yeah, and uh, as for the wig, uh, Christopher Reeve just suffered from alopecia, so he was starting to lose his hair and he needed needed a wig. So the directors weren't going to give it to him? Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. Oh, no. 
All right, so I, I will give you... a full head of hair. E.T. 3, Mambo number 5, a little bit of Elliot by my side. I'll give you some points for that, for, for yeah, calling them Mambo Yeah, we guessed right that they were liars. That's right. And we now, get points. You do get yeah. points. Now I'll give you a chance for some more points with this okay. question. We'll take them. Now, you might think of it as a standalone cult classic, but Army of Darkness is technically a threequel. Starring Bruce Campbell as Ash, the film was the third iteration of Sam Raimi's Evil Dead franchise. During production, Raimi endlessly fought with the skeletons in suits at Universal, who made him tone down violence, tweak endings, and even change the name of the film. What was Raimi's original title for Army of Darkness? Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. Whosoever shall be found. All right, ET3, what do we think here? What was the original title of Army of Darkness? It was Die, You Evil Bastards, Die! Uh, And so why did they make him change that? That seems like an actually good title. Oh, so uh, you could take your (laughs) (laughs) two-year-old? What would be the appropriate age uh, for... Two years old. for For all rated R movies? Yeah. Yeah, when they're two, they don't really know what's happening. But it's so they can just anyway. sit there and be there, and it's fine. It goes over their head. But the word bastard really sinks in there as a two-year-old. <laughs> so, so the two-year-olds could read the name bastard in the title. And we're upset. And the, we're upset? The advanced ones, yes. The advanced no. two-year-olds. Yes. Also, just think about like for marketing and things like that. If you want to have posters everywhere and you don't know who's going to go past it, you need to have something appropriate for people to go past. All the Priests. naughty things can be in the movie. Right. Or no. just on the word po- bastards like uh, Quentin Tarantino did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did he? Uh, Jesse, Boy, I'm bad at spelling. You're a parent of a five-year-old, six-year-old? That's none of your business, but yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you ever struggle like with what is appropriate content-wise for your kid when you go to movies? Well, here's what we do. We don't take her to movies. <laughs> the hero we need. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, we closely monitor everything that she consumes. Really? What would, what would be surprising to be borderline? Like, sometimes like, someone's like, oh, he can't go see Pacific Rim because robots are scary. Yeah, Pacific Rim is completely out of the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say as a teacher, um, this past week we were having a movie day because it was pajama day on Friday for Spirit Week. And we put on Coco, uh, the Pixar amazing movie, mm-hmm. Disney. Uh, and we found out that was way too scary for my elementary kids. And we had to change to something else. Honestly, too scary for me. Yeah. I've never seen it. I'm too scared. Uh, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's great. The songs are awesome. But because it's uh, Dios de los Muertos and there's no, a lot of skeletons. Let me take it. Let me take it. Right. It was really scary. Dia de los Muertos. Yes. No, thank you. Thank you. That's embarrassing, Jesse. I think I nailed it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or what do we think? Is, I think that's on the truth. The die. What was it? Die, you evil bastards! Die. Yeah, die, you evil bastards! I think that's crap. You think it's crap? I think it's crap. Oh, harsh. What do you think the real answer is then? Uh, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> at least that's honest. It, it's War of the Deadites. War of the Deadites. Because they're the uh, undead in the movies are called the Deadites. Okay, sure. That that is true. Uh, but the actual answer was just the medieval dead. Oh. oh. It's pretty but funny. But I have the dead in there. Stupid. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a fun. <laughs> I'm just happy that Sammy was wrong. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm sorry. What was the name of that uh, holiday again? <laughs> no, don't make me do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Apocalypse so Later, Revenge of the Apocalypse. <laughs> 
for almost 40 years, the title belt for America's sexiest Shia LaBeouf's fictional dad has been held by Indiana Jones. So apologies to Steve Stevens. After one wildly successful adventure and one mildly successful adventure, sorry, short round, America's favorite academic returned in 1989's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Chronicling Indy's search for the Holy Grail, The Last Crusade escalated the thrills and stunts of the first two movies to unprecedented levels. But the stunts weren't the only unprecedented thing in The Last Crusade. The film also featured a first-of-its-kind insurance policy. What unique insurance policy was taken out by the makers of Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade? What do we think here? What unique insurance policy was taken out by the makers of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Um, this was the first Indiana Jones movie with camels in it, so they had to take out camel insurance. Like, nah. Nope. Like what kind? Like if the camel. I just want to say that Rich is having a hearty laugh in the booth. <laughs> <laughs> like what kind of? If the camels died? In case they did. Yeah, there's you a take lot out of stunts. insurance for them. Yeah. There was like tank stunts and uh, truck stunts. And they yeah. used real so, camels. They blew up real camels. So, so you're saying the camels weren't used to being in the conditions of their native uh, uh, climate? Yeah, well, yeah they would somehow get dehydrated. They're Is used the in concern? different ways for movies when what you're ways, pushing a camel. What ways were camels used in that movie? Hmm? Give me three First ways all, camels got used. By, in the were they way more swimming? Surrounded they, by tanks. Yeah, surrounded by tanks. <laughs> Indy. Which are not part of their, their yeah. typical climate yeah. and environment. And, of course, you had Sean Connery on set, so you have to have insurance. Yeah, Because yeah. you don't know what he's going to do to camels. Yeah. Every animal has to be insured. And when Sean Connery is present. How Why? often do you see a camel next you to a tank to or next to Sean, Sean Connery? Sean Connery is a hazard to animals. There's a James Bond movie where he stone cold stabs a real shark. For real? What? Oh, in yeah. real? Yeah, yeah, that was before Laws, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just on film, him stabbing a real shark and the shark going, oh. <laughs> James, what was the James Bond punchline when he stabbed the shark? Well, he was underwater, so it was... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was very lewd in fish. <laughs> Uh, wow. Do you think this is the the correct answer? Camel insurance? Nah. No. 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 Okay. What do we think the right right? So uh, so by this point, the franchise is really picking up steam. There are certain by uh, the third one. Yeah, it's probably picking yeah. up some steam. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it lost it a little bit. They're still and, giving it a try. Much, much like my answer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, some of the set pieces, the props were becoming iconic. So we uh, know for a fact that they had to ensure uh, Indy's classic whip in case it went missing or someone tried uh, uh, taking it? That, that is a really excellent answer, uh, but actually, camel insurance was closer. <laughs> what? what? It was rat insurance. Ah! That's right. So in order to facilitate the rat-filled sewer sequence ah! early in the movie, the crew needed thousands of rats. So they initially placed an order for 1,000 gray rats, which they bred up to 5,000 gray rats. So yeah, they, uh, the Fireman's Fund Insurance Company granted the film the first and probably last thousand rat insurance policy, which would have paid out if the production had lost more than 1,000 rats. Oh, oh, I'm not even mad. That wow. was fun. Oh, man. That was a fun answer. Yeah, that's fun, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm not even mad. That was fun banter. I like that. What do you think that policy would have paid out to? Because you're getting like $2 a rat, let's say. Yeah, sure. That's pretty good money for a rat. Yeah. (laughs) 
1989 dollars? Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Could have bought like a house. Yeah. 250 I would be rich if I went to my alley and I had that kind of money for the rats. <laughs> you know, I'd take my kid to see Ratatouille. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jesse. See, I'm, I'm glad you got back Just to Just a that. random thought. <laughs> <laughs> Keep, keep us yeah, posted yeah. on... Yeah. Oh, yeah, don't worry. Oh, the movies... Oh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ET3, Mambo number 5, hashtag a little bit of Elliot by my side. Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. were the first two classic movies in the legendary Escape from Trilogy. What? That's right, Trilogy. Before the release of Escape from L.A., the uh, star, Kurt Russell, and the director, John Carpenter, announced their plans for a third movie in the series. But after the box office failure of Escape from L.A., the idea was scrapped. But in the early 2000s, it was revived as a pitch for a TV series, which was also scrapped. But shortly after, it was again optioned as a video game, but it was scrapped again. Yeah. Uh, but it does raise a question. After New York and Los Angeles, there weren't too many exciting cities left for Snake to escape from. So what was the proposed title for the failed third installment of the Escape series, and what was the basic story going to be? I get knocked out! What do we think your ET3? What was the uh, third escape movie going to be called? The third escape movie was called Escape from Detroit. Get out of Dodge. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Boom. Like a- Mic drop. We won. We're the smart team this week. We got it. <laughs> Boom. Shakalaka. Bye-bye. <laughs> that pun was delivered like a true dad. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, Well Jesse. done. It was very it's good. My own present to myself. <laughs> and what was the basic story? Uh, well, it was uh, much like Roger and me. It was a scathing <laughs> social commentary on the failing U.S. auto industry. <laughs> That's a very poignant story. <laughs> and what was Snake Piskin's role in this escape? Like, what was what would be like some of the set pieces? Oh, Ours. you know, assembly lines and such. <laughs> Yeah. Car doors. <laughs> Had to get out of them. Lots of locks. <laughs> Finding the keys deep in your purse and you can't find them out. Oh, yeah. yeah. In every escape movie, she has like a sidekick. Like in the first one was Ernest Borgnine. In the second yeah. one, it was oh, uh, the guy. It was short round. Yep. No. Yep. <laughs> uh, it was uh, the guy who was a firefighter on 9-11, but he's an actor now. Steve Buscemi? Yes. yes. Steve Buscemi. Was in, uh, yep. So who would be the, the character actor sidekick in this yep. one? Reginald Vell Johnson. <laughs> Um, uh, who's most most commonly known as the dad in Family Matters, and, or the cop from and, Die Hard? Well, the same character, the same guy, yeah, the same, oh, same right. character. literal same character, probably. yeah, and he plays just the same character again. <laughs> yeah, good. Carl Otis Winslow. Uh, so, is there typically in a in a especially in a in a trilogy, we watch our main character discover something or grow? Like, what sort of a change? Does Escape from Detroit bring about in Snake? Yeah, Snake oh. learns how to drive. <laughs> uh, didn't know the last ones how to do that. And learns, you know, from learner's permit to passing the test oh, the to thing. having behind the wheel. And to be fair, the other ones were in New York and L.A. Yeah, so you there don't was really no point there. in Yeah, yeah. Ernst Borgnine was a taxi driver in the first movie. So mm-hmm. he's like, mm-hmm. I can't drive, i got to hire Ernst Borgnine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Do we think they're telling the truth? Is, it, um, is any of that true? 
I think it's a fun idea. But it's no. a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great idea. Sell I it. Wish, Pitch it. I wish it was. True. It's very good. What, what do you think the real title is? And the maybe real title you... was Escape from Earth. Okay. What do you think the plot might be? Well, of course, Snake, it's, Earth has gotten so bad because if you watch any other movies, nuclear war had become more prolific because of his actions. Remember, he destroyed the peace tapes to Russia in the first movie? And so he escapes to a space station in orbit, but he's not supposed to be there. So the movie is him fighting his way onto the space station and taking it over. Oh, please be wrong. Please be wrong. <laughs> nope, they nailed it. That's exactly what it is. Like, even right down to like what the movie's about. That's yeah. What? I mean, it was a natural. It too good. I knew. It was good. Oh man. Yeah. So it involves Snake Plissken being hunted for destroying all technology on the planet and trying to escape the dumpster fire he created. I would not take my daughter to see that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, but there isn't any but, bad words in the title. Well, no, not technically. Uh, so just by the way, good good news here. Uh, this was uh, picked up as a uh, or was optioned as an anime series, and Kurt Russell was reportedly on board to reprise his role. So we might get uh, an escape from <laughs> from Earth anime. Jump Will I now. retract my statement then? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Apocalypse Later, Revenge of the Apocalypse. Back to the Future Three is an amazing movie, and I won't hear any difference. <laughs> That's yes, yeah, so a very. Scared amount of applause from the audience. Uh, so it's got everything cowboys, time traveling trains, and an uncredited cameo by ZZ Top. Since 1969, ZZ Top has been rocking the free world with hits like Sharp Dressed Man and Give Me All Your Lovin'. But ZZ Top's best known song is LaGrange. The band members wrote this song about a very specific location in Texas. What musical was also inspired by the same location? I'm Think here, what musical was inspired by the same location that inspired ZZ Top's song LaGrange? That would be the best little whorehouse in Texas. Yeah, they're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to move on? No. No, no, uh, let's talk about wait, it. What? Does anyone know any songs from Best Little Whorehouse in Texas? I remember the movie with Burt Reynolds and Dolly Parton. Yeah. That's just what being, I was saying, too, yeah. And, and I was really confused because, like, oh, isn't this supposed to be, because I was a young guy, I was like, isn't this supposed to be sexy? Why are they singing? Why? What's going on because here? Because singing is sexy, so are men with glasses <laughs> yeah. and journalism. Tiana, <laughs> <laughs> you say I was confused about that when you were younger. I watched it maybe about a year ago, and I was like, where's the sex? And it wasn't coming. Uh, so I was a 25-year-old woman that was confused about the sexy times. Yeah, That's a lie about, about your age. <laughs> Anyone know I'm any songs I'm from it? I, no, I don't know. I don't know any songs from whatever musical this might be. I like to think that uh, Legs, the ZZ Top song <laughs> Legs, is in Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. That's I, what I'm going to choose. I watched a few mu- music videos from ZZ Top just to like find a song for this. And it all seems like they're in the same universe, like the ZZ Top averse, mm, yeah. <laughs> where it's just like really hot women like running yep. around in cars and just being hot. Yep. And then ZZ Top's just there in the parking lot. It's that's basically all '80s videos. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, wouldn't you believe it that they were exactly right? It was the best little whorehouse yeah. in Texas. Now, would, would you take your child to see the best little whorehouse in Texas? Well, based on Allie's uh, description of it, yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, it, it did win a couple of Tonys and was nominated for some Golden Globes. So. That's what's up. No and one there's no sex in it, apparently. No sexies. And as far as we know, no songs. But Dolly Parton's knockers. 
That's true, yeah. Don't, don't forget about them. I'm not going to teach my daughter to body shame others. Oh! Yeah. Hell yeah. That's not body shame. That's body Can we get some praise. points for that? That's for... body praise. I want to give dad points to Jesse. I'm, I'm a, I love everything he's doing tonight. I, your daughter's going to be a force in the future. <laughs> Jesus. All right, fine. I'll give Jesse some points for his daughter. Nice. <laughs> You've basically broken down. even from your lack of points for your shoes. You've come back to zero <laughs> points for just Jesse. All right. ET3, mom number five. Hashtag a little bit of Elliot by my side. Speed was set on a bus. Speed 2 was set on a cruise ship. And Speed 3 doesn't exist. But if it did, it would be set on a train, probably, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The closest thing we have to Speed 3 is the 2010 film Unstoppable. In this movie, Chris Pine and Denzel Washington have to stop an unmanned half-mile-long freight train from destroying a city. Both Pine and Denzel... That's based on a real story, by the way. What? It is, yeah. Go on. There was an actual runaway train. Like, basically, the way the train worked was there was one lever that both put on the brakes or put it full steam ahead, (laughs) depending on, like, what button you press beforehand. Yeah, so basically they just like messed up and they're like, oh shit, and then it just like, yeah. Wait, but, so but, why would it have destroyed the city? Well, I don't, it was, it was it full was... of like a bunch of uh, like toxic chemicals or something. And vengeance. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Chris Pine and Denzel Washington both it. performed many of their own stunts. Uh, however, Denzel was very nervous about one of the stunts because of a phobia that he had. Uh, what self-confessed phobia does Denzel Washington have? All right, what do we think here? What uh, what's this phobia Denzel suffers from? All right, well we have a, we have a soft guess, which is trains, but uh, <laughs> soft, soft. But, we'll we'll, we'll table that. Our more concrete, our more concrete guess. Just really trying to like <laughs> stretch his limits as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most of us on a soundstage. He's not really on a train, so he's okay. But they brought a train. And he like came out to the lot, and there was a train there. Was, ah! What the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we think it was uh, claustrophobia, and they had him do the classic stunt where. The ceiling of the tunnel is just about a hair's breadth from his nose as he's rushing along, lying on the top of the train. So, so you think they'd actually shoot that, and he had problems from just just he'd have problems with being like on a train speeding through a tunnel with the uh-huh. the roof one inch from his face. Yes, that didn't phase him. It was just yes. oh, it's just too close, and I'm feeling yeah. confined. Sammy, are you suggesting that Denzel Washington would be afraid of high speed? <laughs> it's Denzel. He can do anything. Yeah, he was cool at the speed. He was cool at the darkness. Uh-huh. I was like, just don't get close to my face, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even, I can't even begin to. Or it was trains. <laughs> uh, Spencer, I, I have a question for you. Oh, interesting. What movie, uh, what year did this movie come out? 2010. All right. Uh, you said that this uh, speed never had like a, a, it would have been on a train. I think we're forgetting a little movie known as Under Siege 2 Dark Territory, which yeah, was right. basically speed, a speed on a train with our Lord and Savior. <laughs> Jesus Christ? No. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ started a movie? Steven Seagal. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> what did I say? Our other Lord and Savior. <laughs> My mistake. Yeah, somehow I missed that direct to VHS sequel. <laughs> I saw I it in the movie. I can't imagine why. <laughs> uh, should we just. Yeah, what do you think? You think I'm telling the truth? We agree. You agree? Yeah. As much as we'd like to just <gasps> shout no at them. Oh my gosh, you think our answer is right, Sammy? That it was trains? Really? <laughs> I, I'm going to put this one on miles. <laughs> well, either, either way, uh, you, you fooled them. Because the answer is uh, fear of heights, acrophobia. Oh, what? I also yeah, knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Honestly, this is the first duping I think I've seen in the entire run that's, of that's like, fun, right? all my time we, on the show. We, wow. we duped you two on both the last questions that we had the answers to. Stop. Move on. We're having fun. Yeah, let them have fun. All right, Apocalypse Later, Revenge of the Apocalypse. Uh, you've got a friend in me. It's great to hear sung by Randy Newman, but it's bad to hear said to you by Cannibal. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. about that. Uh, so after the huge success of Toy Story and Toy Story 2, it was only natural that they would follow up with Toy Story 3, one of only three animated movies ever to be nominated for a Best Picture Oscar, along with anybody? Guardians of Gahul. Yep, yeah, the owl movie, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was uh, Up and Beauty and the Beast with the other two. Oh, okay. Uh, Toy Story 3 carried on many of the d- traditions of the franchise, like Rex loving video games, Pizza Planet trucks, and probably most unsettlingly, creepy characters with baby doll heads. Yeah, like the spider baby hybrid uh, from the first Toy Story, there's a character in the third Toy Story called Big Baby, which is equal parts sweet and unsettling. It only has one line in the entire film, the word mama. This one line was voiced by an actual baby. So, Allie Stark. It's me. I was that baby. (laughs) I don't know if that adds up. What did this baby actor have in common with another character from Toy Story? I was like baby. What do you think your apocalypse later? What's uh, what did this baby actor have in common with a Toy Story character? Oh, Sam, oh, I, oh, I didn't realize that that look was a throwing it to me. Look. Yeah. Okay, uh, that baby is related to Tom Hanks. How is how is that baby related to Tom Hanks? The, yeah. the well, baby when I, when, voice. Yeah, the 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 the, the, the baby, baby actor. actor, the voice actor, baby. Yeah, but it's yes, it's what, what do they have in common with the, the character, character from yeah, Toy Story? Not a character, not an actor that played. Which one of these characters is related to Tom Hanks? The baby. <laughs> the baby. Slinky Dog is the uncle of Tom Hanks. <laughs> oh, he's no, he's, the, he's the son who has a rap career at Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a SoundCloud rapper. You've never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> His name's Lil Slink. <laughs> we just, we don't believe you. We don't know, yeah. Rude, just that easily, huh? Well, Would you take here. your child to see Toy Story 4? Who, okay, what is this relation? Real quick, relation? Sammy, let me address this. So we are such nerd parents that she hasn't even seen the Toy Story movies. She's only heard the audio versions oh! of them. Wow. How does that make what you nerd parents? What is the audio What's version? That? We live in this bygone era where apparently television doesn't exist in our household. Uh, okay. Is that true? Yeah. What's so you listen to like radio plays, basically? Yeah, basically. Interesting. Yeah. Wild. I feel you judging me, Spencer. <laughs> I'm open to the concept. <laughs> We'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> this will be very important for when you guys co-parent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a discussion you guys should really have. Yeah. We don't want to get in the way. Okay. So what relation is this baby to Woody? To Woody or to Tom Hanks? Uh, Either or. You explain it to us. Well, when Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson got married. Yeah. They right, had a, 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 a little matrimonial session, and now they have uh-huh. a baby. And the baby is now the voice. Kind of like on South Park where Trey yeah. Parker's child. So it was the, Tom Tom Hanks's child. Yeah, no, the math the doesn't add up. Real quick, is is that what you call sex? Matrimonial session? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to keep it clean for <laughs> the podcast. You. Yeah. <laughs> so you think it's on a lie? Yeah, a it's, a lie it's, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a fib. Okay, what do you um, think? If I remember correctly, the 
baby in the movie is like Woody where the baby has something written on them, like how Andy's written on Woody's foot. Uh-huh. So the baby actor in real life has a word written. Oh, I thought it was the yeah. baby character. Okay. We're going to stick with that. The baby yeah, in real life has yeah, a tattoo yeah, 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 on his foot. It's a Chinese character. Uh, the the baby hands. who says mama in has real the... life has Andy tattooed <laughs> on their foot. And then the Chinese con my... for power on its ankle. Yes, that's my final answer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like that answer. You're, you're, you're both kind of dancing around the right character. The character is Woody. Um, and it's just a lot simpler. The baby's name is Woody. Oh. Yeah, that's right. That's fun. Yeah, that's right. I think we're all wrong. That baby's name was Allie Stark. <laughs> Allie, show us your tattoo of Andy on the bottom of your foot. Someone's gotten that, right, in real life? Oh, for oh, sure. 100%. Oh, yeah. What a but dumb idea it was. Well, it's terrible, terrible idea. It's also just a terrible idea to get a tattoo on the bottom of your foot. That shit will wear off. Immediately. And it probably hurts, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of nerves in your foot. That would be really painful. There are a bunch of nerves. I've felt yeah. them before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you right. stepped on a Lego, perhaps? <laughs> yes, exactly. ET3, mama number five, hashtag a little bit of Elliot by my side. It's rare for actors to continue to play their breakout role, especially if the movie had no plans to birth a sequel, or multiple sequels for that matter. But in 2000, Scream 3 hit theaters with a majority of the original cast, including Nev Campbell. She's appeared in all of the Scream movies, but got her start in the TV show, Party of Five. Now, for those unfamiliar, like myself, Party of Five is about five kids who have to raise themselves after their parents die in a car crash. Ah. <laughs> that's that's true. Stuff. I verified this. Real that's the party. actual plot of the, yep. <laughs> the TV show. Yep. I think it's freaking hilarious. I don't know. <laughs> do they live in, like, say, a boxcar at all? Maybe they do live in a boxcar. Was it yeah. a funny show? Like, was that a Nickelodeon I, show? Or no. was it an ABC drama? Yeah, it was not like iCarly. It was on it was... Fox. It was just like a teen angst drama yeah. show. I mean, I sh- I'm sure there were some comedy elements. But... Like a CW. I was thinking yeah. CW, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, uh, so that's, the, that's the TV show. So for five seasons, America watched these kids grow up, and especially the youngest sibling, Owen. In the first season, Owen's a baby, and in the final season, Owen is a child. Uh, so what I want to know is, what is unique about, the, uh, about who played Owen? Tattoo on his foot. Thank you. We'll take the points. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ET3, what do we think here? What was unique about who played Owen? Uh, typically, when you have child actors, especially baby actors, you swap them out like a Mary-Kate, Ashley Olsen situation. Uh, but it was the same kid the whole time, which is very unusual for a show like that. <laughs> oh, we shook up Sammy. Oh, they're frazzled. <laughs> right, frazzled. Right. My, oh, this is literally what just, just happened here. Ready? I just want to say they're wrong. <laughs> Quote Miles. Yeah. Uh, that's a good answer, but no. Um, the whole same baby? Same baby the whole time. Same baby. It just same stayed. The, they saw these kids growing up for five years, and they actually saw a baby grow up for also, five years. The now, work ethic on that baby yeah. was phenomenal. Now, Ellie, as a former child actor, yes. you know, after, she, obviously this baby has some clout after a while. Uh-huh. What were some of the writers on the baby's contract? You know, when I was a baby... Uh, and I asked for things. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a lot of like boobs. And <laughs> Did you say boobs? <laughs> yeah, a lot of boobs. Wow, not a lot has changed. And a lot of, <laughs> a lot of naps. Uh, so naps were on the baby's rider? Yeah. Is that so baby no one? green M&Ms, I need some naps. I need some naps and I need some boobies. The Dolly Parton comment makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
Now, do any of you actually see uh, Party of Five growing up? All right. I am in this demographic. <laughs> uh, who was your favorite character? Oh, um, you know, this was pre-Lost, but Matthew Fox uh, trying to always hold it together was <laughs> somewhat charming, I guess. And then Lacey Chabert was on it, too. She was. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to Lacey Chabert? I know she did the whole Lost in Space movie, but she, she, she did Mean Girls, mean right? Girls? Did she do Mean Girls? She did Mean Girls. Yeah. yeah. Did she? Yeah. Oh, she was the, the, the weird friend? Yeah, she's Gretchen. Yeah. Gretchen Wieners. Yeah, Her father invented <laughs> toaster strudels. <laughs> was she the one that kept trying to make fetch work? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Fetch is never going to happen, Jesse. Okay. <laughs> uh, do we think they're telling the truth? Is it the same actor this whole time? No. No, okay. What do you think the truth is? Uh, um, okay. <laughs> I think that... Um, it was a girl. Oh, interesting. Okay. It was actually a girl. Is Miles going rogue here? Do you... Do you well, yeah, we agree. I think, we I think he this. forgot. I think that. Yeah. I think it was a train. <laughs> yeah. It was a train. That's right. Uh, so it was actually... Uh, I want to put my... <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on, 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 hold on. Lead is... I was close. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah, if they were played wow, by a woman, uh, we were close to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, so uh, yeah, it was played by a set of twins to begin with, uh, and then a different set of twins, and then a different set of twins, and then finally uh, one person, uh, an actor named Jacob Smith. So wow. seven people. That, yeah. That's right. So you're, you're, so you're we were set up. six so, away from being so, correct. But you're set so up. Close. You're set up for why you thought it would be unique that it was played by uh-huh. one was going down the right road. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. to multiply right and then we just sort of swerved off a cliff yeah. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is it's like a dark Dr. Parnassus situation here? Oh, is that what's oh, happening? I've never seen Dr. Parnassus of all the Heath Sam Ledger take, yeah. Heath, Heath Ledger passed away during right. and it, his role was picked up by several different actors yeah. I'm gonna say like Johnny Depp and yeah. so there's three sets of twins right yeah, there's three, sets of, yeah. there's three sets of Johnny Depp's. All of them are garbage people. Three sets of twins is the random other person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Uh, Apocalypse Later, Revenge of the Apocalypse. This is the last question for you. <gasps> oh, we got your lie, Ellie. So the Mission Impossible uh, movies are known for their insane plot lines and even more insane Tom Cruise stunts. For Mission Impossible 3, released in 2006, former Felicity star Carrie Russell co-starred as Lindsay Ferris, an IMF agent trained by Cruise's Ethan Hunt who ultimately dies due to an explosive pellet that's been implanted into her head, which I think is how Party of Five started. Uh, the no. thing, if you've ever seen this movie, it, when she, it, no this spoilers, it happens, she, she dies in the very like, opening minutes. Yeah. People laughed in the theater because her eyes go googly they when do. the bomb blows up in her head and she goes, Wah. and it's, it's both horrible and the most hilarious fucking thing ever. I don't remember laughing, but, <laughs> but I'm take, sure you're right. I will take no disrespect towards Carrie Russell in my house. <laughs> I love it's, her. It also it has um, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the bad guy in this, and he just yeah, he destroys it so good. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so Carrie Russell originally got her big break as an ensemble member of the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. But what I want to know is, what was Carrie Russell's first film credit? Apocalypse later. What do we think here? What was Carrie Russell's first film credit? Uh, well, fun fact: she, uh, her big break into Felicity, the TV show, was being the Noxima girl, uh, and in the Mickey Mouse Club. 
in the Mickey Mouse Club. Uh, but her movie role, as one of our big nerd friends here has pointed out, was... Uh, Waitress was actually her first film credit. Waitress. But that was a starring role. So her first ever credit was something she started? Her first credit. She had been like background, basically uncredited roles or like small co-star uncredited roles before then. So smaller roles uncredited? Yeah, some smaller roles are sometimes actors... <laughs> Bad agent. No, sometimes actors choose to be uncredited on a role because they don't want it to appear on like the top of like their IMDb and whatnot because if it's not a larger role, then it is not good press for them. They'd like rather ZZ just... Top in Wait. Back to the Future 3. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that Disney, the... Disney hired her in the Mickey Mouse Club but wouldn't put her in one of their numerous Disney movies? She wasn't in the animated ones. Well, no, not in an anime, well, but not all every, their live action. All yeah. of the good live action Disney movies came out when she was already on Felicity. Yeah, and like not every, you know, just because you're on a Disney show doesn't mean they're going to handpick you to be one of their movies. There's lots of Disney club stars, Mickey club stars, sorry, that never made it into the movies. She was also technically hired on Mickey Mouse Club as a dancer. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was. Okay. She was hired as a dancer. All right. Yeah, like Soul Train. Yeah, I get it. Or like In Living Color. Did they, have, did, they have have did they have fly girls? Did they have fly girls? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're dating ourselves. <laughs> oh, that ship sailed for me. I admitted to having a child earlier. <laughs> and I am a child. <laughs> That's true. Uh, do, do we think they're telling the truth? Was that uh, was waitress the answer? No, I think they're lying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lies. Yeah. Lies. What's the real answer? Oh, we don't know. Oh, <laughs> well, no. I mean, uh, the, the Sandlot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It was Sandlot. Yeah, it was yeah Sandlot. the she, Sandlot. She played the narrator, yeah, right? Yeah, she was Wendy yeah. Peppercorn. I don't know. Yeah. She was, she was uh, the beast. She was the ball. <laughs> she, was, she, was the, she was James Earl Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and she would have gotten away, to, away with this. Oh. So it was actually Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Oh, see, we were on the right track oh, yeah. with like a Disney. Yeah, we were right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're getting there. It was the uh, sequel to the 1989 Rick Moranis film, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And a third film would be released titled Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. In this uh, Honey, I Did a Thing to the Person I Did It To trilogy. <laughs> hey, we knew they were wrong. Good yes. job, guys. Yeah. You, you did yeah. get that. That's I, I what matters. That. Right, here's the final question oh, uh, of the baby. show. So ET3, this is for you. Uh, so, all right. Uh, yeah, so okay, Austin Powers, right? The sexiest man who ever lived. I think we all agree there. Uh, in the third installment of the Austin Powers franchise, yes. Gold Member, yes. we're introduced to Austin's long-lost father, Nigel Powers, uh-huh. played by legendary actor Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. In addition to being everyone's favorite person to do impressions of, including me, Spencer Hamilton, host of the show. Sure, sure. I don't, I don't write these questions. Do it! Do it, you uh, coward. What, what do you want me to Like, Michael My- Caine. That it? Oh, you want me to do more? Like, yeah. so- I want you to do the rest of this of question the whole, uh, as Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Yes. Uh, let's see here. I'm, I'm going to fire a writer for this. Michael Caine is famous for being a bit of a real-life playboy. Yeah? That's, that's oh, really good. That's good, yeah. That's right. yeah. Got points. Uh, uh, I'm not going to do this. However, there was one leisure activity <laughs> Michael Caine does not participate in. Uh, why doesn't Michael Caine play golf? Ah. Do you have a good Michael Caine impression? I can, yeah. Miles, you want to do a... I, I don't know. Okay, here, here, here's what happened. My name Michael Caine. Wait, but is and, that our No, I'm letting him do an impression. It's funny. <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see what happens with that. And in the meantime, what do we think? Why doesn't he play golf? Okay, well, as a young lad, 
in Scotland. He actually got um, banned from Hazeldean, which is the very famous uh, golf course in Scotland. And so he could never play there because he uh, got banned for pooping on the greens. <laughs> And all of them? On the, all seventh, the seventh uh, greens. <laughs> and um, so he was like, well, if I can't play here, the best golf course in the world, I'm not going to play anywhere. And that's his actor's secret. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, number one, why would he poop on the green as opposed to like by the trees or just off the course or in the in rough the hole? In the yeah, hole. He, <laughs> why he was a uh, a rascal uh, back in the day, you know, having a fun time with his pals. They all got banned. It's just he's the only one that's famous. Yeah, and yeah. when you gotta go, you gotta go. Was, yeah, he had to. <laughs> So, uh, are any of you banned from anywhere? Yes. Oh, James, where are you banned from? Hazeltine. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't poop. What did you do? Wrestled a guy. <laughs> um, I got thrown out of the House of Blues when I was 19. Here in Chicago? Or? Yes, here in Chicago. I, uh, I went into You brought a, the mosh too hard. <laughs> well, I, I uh, attempted to procure alcohol underage, and so the bouncer put two X's on my hands. It was winter, and it was snowing, and he threw me out and said, now go play in the snow. <laughs> so I did. So, so following your logic, having been bound from, uh, banned from House of Blues, did that mean all of a sudden you did not go to any other concerts or try to drink anywhere else? Yes. Yes. Correct. <laughs> what is a, what's it, that a corona in front, in front of you? Of you. Yeah. What's this? <laughs> did you get those X's tattooed on your hands? <laughs> no further questions. Do you think that's the answer? You took a dump on the golf course in Scotland? <laughs> Miles, Man, please, in an impression, tell them. I would love that to be an answer, but it's not. <laughs> Good. See, I hate this. That's good. <laughs> See, the answer is, here's what happened. Uh, what was our answer? Michael Caine is British, and uh, shamefully, he is really anti-Scottish. He does not like Scottish people. I see. And that is like the sport of Scotland. It is associated with Scotland, and that's why he does not do it. So he just has a thing against Scottish people? Yeah. Michael, yeah. What was that, Michael? Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, well, it was actually because Sean Connery broke his club. <laughs> so, that's a great Scottish reason. people. He hates Scottish people. I mean, it's, it's he, a Scotsman. That's why he hates Scottish people, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Michael Caine, could you tell us what happened? How did Sean Connery break your clubs? Why did he do that? Well, me and Sean were playing together. <laughs> <laughs> Took our clubs out. I had to get it on the pitch, and he, he grabs my clubs, tells me to F off, and then splits them in half. So... I'll be damned if I'm going back there ever again. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a guess who else? Not, I, don't, I don't even have lunch with Sean anymore. Do you have a guess who else you were with that day? It was well, you, Sean Connery, and Michael Caine. And Michael... <laughs> <laughs> a different fellow named Michael Caine. So it was uh, it was actually yourself. It was Michael Caine. It was Sean Connery and their best friend Sidney Poitier. <laughs> Uh, they were oh all my God. so his friends were avid golfers. Uh, he, he not so much. Uh, he was actually very bad at it. Uh, and when he sucked at it, Sidney Poitier just got sad. But Sean Connery got so frustrated, he picked up Michael Caine's club and broke it in half. And Michael Caine's never golfed again because he doesn't want to quote upset two of his best friends, Sean in particular. <laughs> you, uh, you know, Natalie has a fantastic Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, Natalie, do you? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was fantastic. 
I'm Mr. Chips. <laughs> I don't know what that is a reference. That's an epidiotic. Oh, are we all doing silly voices? <laughs> that was naughty. <laughs> Do we have any impressions over here? Silly voices. Who is that? I don't know. It was me being silly. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesse, any impressions? The touch. The feel of cotton. Is that? Oh, yeah. Are you Shakira? Doing Aaron Neville. That's Aaron, Aaron Neville. Neville. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I heard Thank you. Shakira. All right, James, bring us home. What you got, Harv? God, I'll try a Sean Connery. Uh, oh. Stab, shark, stab, shark, stab. Very good. Now, we've, uh, we've come to the end of our game, and we have a total. We have uh, uh, winning 50 points to 30 points. It was a pretty close game, Ooh. but we got to give it to ET3 Mambo number five. Oh. So you are the... <laughs> I just think I helped, but I might so, not. So, uh, yeah, so... Take that, Sammy! I love you so much. This yeah. has been really fun. I love you, but I did it! Uh, I want to thank both teams and everyone here in the audience and everyone at home. Thank you very much, and have a good night. Let Sleeping Dogs Lie is recorded in front of a live audience every Monday at 8 o'clock, right here in Chicago at the Comedy Sports Theater. If you'd like to see the show live, go to cszchicago.com and use the promo code FETCH for half off your ticket price. Let Sleeping Dogs Lie is an arcade audio production. Find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at LSDL Show. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Our show is produced by Spencer Hamilton, Patrick Connolly, and Rich Camelucci. Written by Spencer Hamilton, Patrick Connolly, Connor Doyle, Rob Grabowski, Zach Mast, and Mandy Sellers. Hosted by Spencer Hamilton. Our panel this week... Ali Stark performs regularly at the Comedy Sports Theater. Miles Potter performs with his improv teams Ska and Buttermilk and can be heard on the Riverside Falls podcast right here on Arcade Audio. Natalie Younger performs at Comedy Sports and is the co-host of the podcast Shared History, which can also be found on Arcade Audio. James Freetley hosts the podcast Lakeshore and Limbo, an occult noir detective series told using improvisers and dice. New episodes every Monday, where else but right here on Arcade Audio. Jesse Gomez can be seen performing with Comedy Sports Chicago and with Cop Squad at the Playground Theater. And as always, Sammy Tamimi can be found all around Chicago performing, directing, teaching, and being a nerd. Let Sleeping Dogs Lie is made possible in part by listeners like you. Check out patreon.com slash arcade audio for more info on how you can help. Thanks for listening to Let Sleeping Dogs Lie, the world's only game show. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.